0: Welcome to You Dive Deep, where we dive into a single question each week and navigate through this tough thing we call life. Come on, let's dive in. Hey, welcome to You Dive Deep. I'm really excited for this episode today because it's actually a topic that I've been pondering about a lot before I even started this podcast. And before we actually get to that topic, I definitely have to introduce the guest of this show. So Gabe is joining us today. Hey, how are you doing, Gabe?
1: Hey, Tommy, I'm doing
0: well awesome. What I wanted to do is kind of give you an opportunity to introduce yourself actually. So it kind of makes it easy for me. I don't have to do the legwork there. So Gabe, the first question I have to ask you is who are you?
1: The big question, man. Um, so yeah, I, my name is Gabe Castro. I was born in 1997, 23 years old. So pretty young guy. I just started work. Uh, we know each other through a Bible study actually. So I know you'll get into that a little bit, but uh, yeah, I was born in California. I usually start this, this question. This question's so loaded, but I kind of think of it from when I was in California, because that's really kind of where. Well, obviously, being born there, and then my parents held a uh, had a business there when I was young, and it went bankrupt, It didn't go bankrupt, but it, they kind of had didn't didn't go well. And we ended up moving to Maryland. And so I grew up in Maryland, but I feel like my soul is kind of out in the West. <laughs>
0: wow. Talk about a culture shock, literally going from the West Coast all the way over to the East Coast. And I feel like just kind of the vibes is very different from my understanding. I've never been to the West Coast, but I feel like it's a lot more easygoing, a little bit laid back, whereas obviously being in the East Coast, everything is hustling and bustling and everyone's kind of on top of each other and things like that. So I'm sure that was kind of a shock around how old were you when You uh, kind of moved over to Maryland.
1: So around four.
0: Oh wow. Okay. Um,
1: And I, yeah, I, I think that I was pretty young, but I think it's kind of weird because the way that my personality works, I'm pretty much a even split between east and west in terms of that lax culture (laughs) versus that, that hustle like you were just talking about because we literally everything I think about is about professionalism and hustle and business and kind of accelerating a career, Mm -hmm. but I'm also one of the most laziest people you'll ever meet. (laughs) So I don't know.
0: And I think that's a really cool context to bring because that's something I actually did not know. And I feel like that's why I love these type of podcasts to have an opportunity to really sit down and talk to you face to face. I don't think we've ever really done this before, which is really exciting. So just to give the listeners a little bit of context of uh, kind of our friendship and things like that, you kind of touched based upon it a little bit. We met through that Bible study. I know this Bible study is becoming pretty famous. Uh, That's where I met Ray. Vito is the one who uh, kind of put it together. He was episode two. And now you're here, which is a, a lot of fun. And uh, my first impression of you was actually, I thought you were hilarious because you have like this dry sense of humor, but it's like, it, it, it's fantastic in the way that you're able to kind of play off of everything. But at the same time, and maybe I'm misspeaking here, maybe this is going to surprise you, but I thought you were really uh, a lot older than what you are. Uh, you seemed a lot more mature or you just seemed like a wise soul to me. So uh, when I was kind of getting to know everyone through Zoom, because that's where we do our Bible studies and things like that, uh, the more interactions I got with you, I was like, oh, wow, this Gabe guy is really, really cool. And I unfortunately, I don't know a lot about you, but I knew when I was kind of putting this podcast together, you were one of the first names on there that I really want to get there. But for the most part, our friendship is still relatively new. Uh, I think the only times we really hung out was through the Bible study. Like we've never... We're really hung out outside of it where it was just you and I. I think a lot of that is obviously because of the pandemic and because we're in two different states, but I mean, it's still something we could kind of put together. But is that kind of an accurate statement on how our friendship is? And I kind of want to hear your point of view of everything and how we met.
1: Yeah, that's that's interesting. I think a lot of people think that I'm older than I am, and I always credit it to just my deep voice. Um, so yeah, good luck, good luck editing this because my voice will probably <laughs> just be like so low, but um. I think uh, I mean even when I was eighteen, someone. I was fourteen years old. I was in a guitar shop because I play the guitar, uh, and someone thought I was twenty three. I had I have no idea. I don't know if that's offensive because you don't want to be looking old when you're fourteen. But but yeah, I, I would say that that's like a good description of how we met. When I when I first laid eyes on you, Ami, mm-hmm. I I saw the tattoos, and my first impression with, because you didn't speak immediately during the bible study
0: yeah so, i think i was just kind of hanging out
1: you, you were just hanging out getting a feel for things i thought your voice was going to be super low just match the tattoos like biker guy but and then you spoke and you were super eloquent super bright voice and you were so friendly i was like who is this guy man tommy okay okay but yeah it was it was it was
0: funny I appreciate that, actually, because a lot of the times when people see the tattoos or anything like that, they kind of get these like the stigma of who they are. And that's not at the fault of the person who's putting that together. I think that's just kind of the perception that not just media, but society puts. But I feel like it's really cool because uh, I feel like now that you know me a little bit more, I think the thing that is like the furthest from describing me is intimidating. So I think um, not only do I really like my tattoos, it took me a long time to kind of piece it together. It's been like a lifelong passion project putting it together and finally getting it uh unfortunately our listeners can't really see what we're talking about maybe eventually we'll go over to youtube i think that'll be kind of cool but i think it actually shocks a lot of people because when i was kind of putting this piece together it's it's very it's all i have a sleeve on my left arm for the listeners that don't know and it's very visual and you know back in the day. That's not something you would want to do, especially if you're in a professional field. But I feel like, uh, you know, as all of us are growing older, the new generation, our generation, and even the generation under us is becoming more socially acceptable to really have these type of tattoos. So it's kind of fun to kind of destroy that stigma of saying, hey, look, I have a lot of, you know, tattoos and stuff like that. But unfortunately, I don't have a great, awesome, low voice like you. Like, it's funny because anytime I hear these podcasts back, I'm like, oh, hey, guys, I'm Tommy. Welcome to my podcast. I'm like, oh, man, Why would anyone want to listen to this? But... This is actually a great segue about the question that we have today. Um, Through society, through generations, and through time, a lot of things begin to change. And I feel like uh, the tattoo is almost like a microcosm of what we want to expect because that perception of tattoos, piercings, things like that are becoming more socially acceptable. But there's this one other facet that is also changing. And I kind of want to present the question over to you, Gabe, of the question of the episode really is... How do you define weakness?
1: Yeah, that's a big question. Um, obviously, I think, I think there's a lot of, uh, the most obvious forms of weakness are, well, the first one that comes to mind is physical weakness, right? But that isn't necessarily weakness because I, I tend to personally correlate weakness more with the will of the person. So I would say weakness stems more from a decision of your free will to give up. Wow. Yeah, if I had to summarize it.
0: You're able to almost put together such a loaded question and answer it in such a beautifully simple way that really makes not just me think, but hopefully the listeners think as well. Kind of like you said, when you think of weakness, there's a lot of different ways you can go through that. And I actually don't like to define weakness through like the physical limitations. Uh, One of the quotes that I think of that I'm sure you know is, you don't judge a fish on how well it climbs a tree. So if someone is just born with, you know, They're kind of small and things like that. It's not fair to always label that person. Oh, that person is just weak. That's not necessarily a fair assessment. I feel like it's more mental, emotional and things like that. And the reason I want to bring this up with you is because I feel like you may have had a similar uh, background as me. I know our listeners now know I'm a first generation. My parents were immigrants and things like that. And when I would ask them what weakness is, a lot of it would just, they would actually define it as it's all mental. And don't ask for help because that's a sign of weakness. You have to let your pride come through and things like that. And so I feel like with the shift in focus with, um, you know, mental illnesses and things like that and it being magnified and people taking it more seriously, it's a beautiful transition to see. But I feel like this transition hasn't really hit Uh, my parents or I guess the like first generation Asian demographic and things like that so I don't want to make an assumption saying hey Gabe I bet your parents also thinks this way which is unfair to say but I kind of almost want to ask you uh, with the definition of weakness being maybe uh, more relying on mental or emotional kind of the way that you defined it like a will of just giving up how would you kind of see that in more depth and how do your parents or someone like that how would they define the same question
1: yeah um I think that's a good vantage point when, when we're growing up and I resonate with you on this because my, I come from a Filipino family and the tendency for Asian cultural beliefs on strength and weakness are almost uniform through the different ethnicities of you know Asian culture. So when I was growing up, weakness was always something that I associated with just not being good at something when you're expected to be good at it. No matter when you've started, whether you're a beginner or intermediate or advanced, if you mess up, that's weak. And I think that idea was mostly perpetuated by my dad. Mm -hmm. So he's a guy that it's always very difficult to ask him a question on how to do something. You never know what he might be thinking at the time. But you do know that he might get mad, and and it doesn't necessarily, its not always rational why he'd get upset. It, it could be as simple as like, oh, hey, Dad, like, where is this? Mm-hmm. Where's the screwdriver? Or how do you put how do you put oil in the car? Um, or how do you fill up the tires with air? Simple things like that. Where if you don't know how to do it, he he might just get frustrated at you and. It might be your first time trying to do it. So I think that because I was afraid of feeling like I was, or kind of setting him off, I felt like maybe I was too too afraid to ask him a question to make him mad. That was, that fear Mm -hmm. somewhat morphed into what I felt to be weakness when I was growing up.
0: You know how the kids say, I feel seen right now. I don't know. Once again, I don't like to make these general observations speak for everyone with, um, you know, Asian parents, but I feel like one of the biggest parenting tactics and I, I feel bad saying a tactic, but fear is a lot of the dr- driving force with at least my parents as well. Uh, I know this is a silly example I'm going to bring up, but uh, back in the day uh, when I went to use the computer or go on the internet, it was dial-up so you weren't able to talk on the phone and things like that. Like if you're on the internet, then obviously you can't get any calls and or uh, calls or anything like that. And so I would always have to ask my mom to you know get on the internet to play you know games. I, oh man, I was really into like Maple Story, you know those kind of games. I I really wanted to play it all the time, but. I was always scared because I had to wait and be like, wait, is mom in a good mood? Because if she's not, I'm not even going to ask. I'll just go do something else. But if she is in a good mood, then the possibility or chances of me being able to, you know, play on the computer for about an hour is a lot higher. But it was always that fear that kind of scared me. And I feel like, um, Kind of like similar experience with you and your dad that was very similar with me and my mom. You never know what would kind of set her off and it didn't really make a lot of sense. There's no rhyme and reason about it. You just kind of have to get a feel of it. You just talk and be like, okay, yeah, today's a good day. I-, I I can probably get away with this kind of thing. And so it's kind of um, neat to hear that there's actually kind of like a close Uh, connection between us, between the way that our kind of parents' interactions with ourselves are kind of like. But for me, when I would originally define weakness, like you said, if, if someone were to mess up, I feel like for me, how I would originally define weakness when I was younger would be if someone can't stand up for themselves, if- you know, if someone lets someone like walk all over them. They don't know how to say no. Uh, that's how I would view weakness. But now kind of being a little bit older and a little bit wiser, I am actually almost kind of on the other side of it now saying, no, that's not weakness. Maybe that's then thinking and kind of strategizing saying no this is not the battle worth picking i will just do whatever they want me to do uh, and just get it over with cuz it's a lot easier than the confrontation so if anything it's deliberate so i'm like okay that's not a sign of weakness either but i really like the way that you put it as well because there's so many different facets of weakness and one major topic that is kind of the stigma that kind of surrounds weakness has to do with mental Illnesses and things like that. Whether you're going through depression, whether it's uh, ADD, whether it's anything at all, everyone has their own personal battles. And at least coming from uh, an Asian background like myself, that was something that was frowned upon. You never admit that you have that uh, because it's it just. It's almost like your reflection of your parents. Like, let's say, and I don't like to self-diagnose or anything. There was a period in time of my life where I felt like I was depressed, but the only real symptom of depression that I felt wasn't this overwhelming sadness. I was just losing interest and passion over everything. Gabe, I know something you know about me right off the bat is I'm a huge football fan. Like, uh, on Sundays... I pretty much have my phone off because I'm just watching football all day long, uh, checking my fantasy football. But there was this one year and I believe it was 2016, 2017. um, Once again, I don't want to self-diagnose, but I felt like I was in this phase of depression where I did not care about football. I didn't care about the Eagles. I didn't care about playing video. I didn't care about anything because nothing brought happiness to me. I was just kind of going with the flow of things. But I never told my parents or anything that because I feel like if I told them saying, hey, I would like to seek a therapist or I feel like I'm depressed, it's not them thinking, oh, no, we need to get Tommy help. It's we failed as parents. You're not allowed to say that. No, you're fine. Just tell me what's wrong and I'll fix it kind of thing. And that's kind of the background and upbringing I came up with, something that I would have to suppress because I didn't want my parents to feel like they have failed me, which is absolutely not true. And so I kind of want to get your take on it. How is, how has your experience with, I guess, your perception of mental illness and how maybe your upbringing may have influenced that?
1: Oh, uh, I, I definitely resonate with you on, on that. Um, when I was growing up, mental illness was not even a conversation. It it wasn't something that anyone was relevant. Uh, anyone was aware about, it wasn't a talking point in class. I think the closest thing to protecting mental health was anti-bullying.
0: Yes, yes. And and,
1: and it, even then, it was not really a direct conversation. It was more about the peripheral effects of mental health from bullying. Going diving into that, I mean, when I was growing up and I'm 23 again, like I graduated college in 2019. I got my master's in 2020.
0: Wow, congratulations.
1: Yeah, thank you. Um. You know, growing up in the early 2000s, with the inter- the rise of the internet and people starting to open up yaks and these you know these messaging me- messaging apps or these anonymous messaging apps where you don't know who is asking questions that, that I'm just thinking of an example of how how that whole evolution of bullying as just the as just a segment of this mm-hmm. how that evolved in the cyberspace you know, cyberbullying and that really blew up uh, around that time, I would say I was probably in like seventh or eighth grade through early high school when kids were getting messages on those apps saying, for those of us who don't know, I, I don't remember the exact name of the kinds mm-hmm. of apps, but.
0: I think the uh, one that you're referencing, at least like the anonymous social media app, I feel like that one was called Yik Yak, or at least that's the one that I'm familiar with that I utilized before in the past.
1: Yeah, that, that one I even remember using in college. Yeah. Um, too. I, I, there are probably a few others as well kids would just annihilate other kids basically it's it's a, it's kind of like facebook in the sense where you can post on other people's walls but you can't see who posts anything and you you can only receive the message so it's as if your face is the bulletin board and you can people can, you're inviting people to put in whatever
0: just completely anonymously without any type of consequence
1: exactly and and For those who were unfortunate to to be the receiving end of a lot of insults, just awful things, it's really sad because a lot of my friends went through some serious depression because they were because of that. And I, I could just think of that as one example.
0: I think you bring up a really great point that I kind of want to shine a light on that I didn't even think about is mental illnesses, or at least awareness has come such a long way. And you brought up a great point that I never even thought about, like, what did schools do? Like, how did that influence my perception on what that could be? And you're absolutely right. All they really did was go into bully prevention mode, but they didn't, I almost feel like they just did it just to check it off on a Uh, like a little clipboard saying, okay, well, we did that. Now we don't have to worry about it. If anything comes up, we can say, well, we, you know, had these little seminars of anti-bullying. So it's not our fault if you do get bullied now moving forward. But I feel like that's such a surface thing to do almost to like kind of save themselves. But they never really talked about how to really go about your life if you're feeling any of these type of symptoms and what kind of networks or how you can get help. It was just, all right, just don't bully other people. But as we all know, uh, unfortunately, the way that the public school system set up, it's gonna happen. It's just, what, hundreds and hundreds of kids that see each other almost every single day for like 14 years, of course it's gonna happen. Um, so unfortunately, uh, bullying is very much pro- prominent Uh, I feel like hopefully it's been going a little bit uh, lower only because people are becoming a little bit more empathetic because uh people are having these type of conversations a lot more than when I was growing up as a kid. But it's still something of face value. But it's kind of like when you go through school, you almost need to put on a mask. You almost have to put on a persona saying I can't show any signs of weakness because you never know who will try to take advantage of me. And that's kind of another interesting question that kind of brings up. So Gabe, I kind of wanted to ask you: Were you ever able to identify some of the weaknesses you had while you're growing up? And how did you maybe uh, not only did you identify it, but what was your reaction to it? And how did you kind of, um, you know, take care of that?
1: Oh, wow. That's a great question. When when I was growing up, I was so preoccupied with being cool. Mm -hmm. I gave up on a lot of my strengths, Um, not not necessarily like just trashing my strengths, but I stopped focusing on what mattered. And I just wanted to have friends. I wanted to be interesting whatever that meant to attract attention, to get the attention of the girl I had a crush on in class. It was sometimes like just about seeking attention growing up that if I, if I look in hindsight, I would say that that was a huge weakness because I was so preoccupied with my presentation that I wasn't leading myself into the best things for myself. Right.
0: Absolutely. And I feel like that's not an anomaly. I, I, I absolutely identify with what you're saying, especially going through middle school and high school. There were times where I wasn't genuine with who I was. I wasn't really going into what I was interested in. I it's so weird because like when I think back at it, such a crazy battleground you know what high school is what middle school is it's absolutely bizarre to hear what all these kids go through because it's completely a status thing you want to be the popular one you you care about what everyone talks about you care about how many likes you get you care about all that kind of stuff where you almost are a fake version of yourself and you try to present yourself to fit in and I absolutely kind of connect with what you're saying there as well because there are times where I would have to sit down saying what am I I doing? And I think that's why it's so fascinating to hear your side of the story, because a lot of times when people say, oh, what is what is your weakness and things like no one will ever talk about saying, well, you know, I was pretending to be someone I wasn't. I was putting my energy into something else. Whereas in my opinion, that is the absolute definition of weakness. I feel like if it if you're just not staying true to yourself. And so I feel like I kind of want to circle back to that exact question of at what moment did you, I'm not saying stopped caring what other people thought, but at what moment did you say, hey, this just isn't worth it anymore? Because I know there are still a lot of people that are struggling with that, caring too much what other people think, caring too much of their status, if you will, amongst their friend group or whatever. And now we're trying to identify saying, hey, we're not not. not saying that you're weak because you're feeling that way. I feel like almost everyone kind of goes through this journey, but at what moment did you start to identify saying, Hey, it's just not worth it anymore. I have to be stronger than this. And I just don't care. Um, Are you able to almost kind of figure out when that moment hit for you?
1: I, I was thinking about it. I think that when it comes to being concerned about your social status and your appearance, certain things eventually like, certain things prevail over time and they show themselves. They reveal themselves very obviously. So for example, I was, I was really into football, right? So you love football. You love the Eagles. I want to hold that against you. I don't, but, uh, I grew up <laughs> in DC, right. So everyone was a Redskins fan, but anyway, I grew up from sixth grade through middle of high school playing football. And it got to the point where I went from being one of the biggest kids on the field in the early days to being one of the, literally the smallest person on the field because I just stopped growing. And football is obviously like one of the coolest things you could do if you're good at it. It's one of the coolest things you could do in high school to gain appreciation from your peers.
0: Oh, yeah. You're, you're seen as like a superstar in high school, which is so weird. You're just playing a sport. but uh, um, And I don't mean to cut you off, but uh, it reminds me of like whenever it's game day, Friday, you know, when you have a home game, everyone's wearing the jerseys, everyone's high fiving each other in the lunchroom. Like it, 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 you're like a total superstar in your own high school, whether you started or not, as long as you're on the football team, you, you, you achieve this type of mythical status. So I absolutely understand what you're saying.
1: Yeah. Yeah. And, and it was all also- also a ticket to, to, to you know get you know a girlfriend or um, it was one of those just obviously people that that's a specific social group that you're immediately a part of if you're a football star but I mean I you know I'm five six and a half that's you know the fact that I include that 0.5 in there is just goes <laughs> a the show um,
0: <laughs> I feel that in a spiritual way when you said that, like, I always say like, I'm, I'm five, six, five, seven with shoes, you know, I'm, yep. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's about me. Yeah, exactly. So that immediately doesn't cut it for college ball. And so when I went through, I love football. It's, I'm so passionate about it. But when that line of, when that lining in, in my, future just started to collapse I realized I couldn't be a part of it anymore because I just couldn't compete and I wasn't getting scouted or anything obviously so I just realized you know I have to give up on that and there's other things that I have to accept as well but that's when I realized okay I need to focus on what I'm good at is that I I think it's all about maximizing your outcome that's probably the tipping point for me was middle high school I realized I needed to maximize my outcomes focus on what I'm good at and one of the things that I was good at was playing the guitar. So I was self-taught. I was part of band, rock bands growing up. And I developed a social group, just a bunch of friends who, who had a band. They asked me to join as a lead guitarist. And then two summers in a row, we just spent touring around DC, Maryland, Virginia. Ooh. And, you know, I mean, and that's when I, real, I started to, maybe it was not it was not conscious at all, like at everything I say in hindsight, maybe it sounds like it was any at deliberate at all, but it wasn't. It was That's very amazing. much just do what I'm good at and playing the guitar. I loved it. You know, I was lucky that I enjoyed something. And I, I truly think that if you are very, if you love something, it does not matter where you start, but if you put in the time, you will become great uh, if you love it.
0: Absolutely. I feel like you brought up a really good point that I kind of want to shine a light on because in your example with football almost being your epiphany moment saying, you know, as soon as you realize that you just physically can't compete with these guys that might be like the same age as you, but instead of being, you know, five, six and a half, they're six, four and 230 pounds. And that's nothing against you. But I feel like a lot of people say, oh, that's a weakness on Gabe then. He just gave up. I say the complete ladder. You were strong enough to say, I love football. I'm passionate about it, but I have to step away. That is a serious strength because you could have held on. You could have continued to try to pursue it, but you had to really take a step back and kind of weigh all of your options. So in this weird sense where a lot of people could kind of interpret that saying, oh, that was a sign of weakness because he quote unquote gave up. If you give up on anything, that is weakness. No, I feel like that's what the past perception was. That's what maybe, you know, my parents' generation would say, saying, no, if you can't give up on anything kind of thing, uh, you know, if you want it bad enough, you can get it. And as much as I definitely want to agree with that, I feel like that statement of if you want it bad enough, you can get it almost has a little bit in part of what you just mentioned. You love the guitar. You're passionate about it. You might have, you know, not been as talented as, you know, Jimi Hendrix, but you were so passionate about it, you continue to hone your craft. You continue to put those extra hours into the point where (laughs) I'm assuming that you're one of the hottest recruited guitarists. Everyone had you in their band, I'm sure. And this is really surprising to me because I feel like a bad friend. I didn't even know you played the guitar, let alone uh, how good you are. So I'm really hoping that I get a chance to be able to hear you because I always have a funny story uh, with instruments as well. But that's for another podcast. But I just kind of want to let you know, saying there are definitely people that could interpret, you know, that epiphany moment as a, weakness. But I absolutely love that you shared that because it is such a sign of strength. And I feel like that's why this question is so fascinating, because you could interpret this any way. Anyone could interpret weakness a, a completely different way. But the reason I wanted to deliberately ask you is because I identify that, hey, Gabe looked like he had a similar background as me. But um, of course, once again, one thing I didn't know is you were actually born in California and came all the way over here. So I kind of want to touch base on that a little bit. How much of that do you think has impacted your outlook in life? And uh, when you came from California all the way over to the East Coast, what were some of these fears that you had? I'm sure you had to have been terrified. You didn't know anyone from this area and things like that. So can you touch base on uh, some of your outlook there?
1: Oh, yeah. I mean, I think I think I need to preface that with, you know, I was still very young when we moved over. But it wasn't necessarily my wasn't my own consciousness necessarily of contrasting between East and West. It was more of what my family went through and how that impacted me in the transition, because my brother, he's about nine, 10 years older than me, and he definitely went through some tough Uh, Times when he came to Maryland, just I mean, imagine being in fifth grade and then you just pick up and you don't have your friends anymore.
0: Lose all your friends.
1: Lose all your friends, and then you're all all of a sudden in this new school. You have to recalibrate, and kids are not nice, generally speaking. I I will, they they can be cute, but they're not always nice, (laughs) and especially when they're tweeners, you know, so uh, or preteens whatever they call it. So yeah, he had to go through some difficulties growing up socially. And that impacted me because he, you know, he's my older brother and I, I effectively, he is the paradigm of what I'm going to go through. And I'm supposed to take cues from him just as a family unit, looking at your older sibling as, as what, you know, what, what the mold is going to be. And it was a difficult mold to fit because I, I, I kind of basically had to figure things out on my own. You know, you end up making a lot of mistakes socially. Uh, I will also say the fact that I, I don't always want to like say, oh, it's it's an Asian thing or it's, it, it's a cultural thing because I think there's a lot of families that, that go through this. But just objectively speaking, the, the lack of mental health awareness and the lack of appreciation for, for the individual <laughs> kind of in my family. It's not to say that people didn't care about each other but i definitely would say there was a lot of toxicity when it came to mental health just in the way that we treated each other in the way we talked about to each other and that obviously has an impact on how you approach friendships how you approach relationships i didn't have any i didn't have any thing to to reference mm-hmm. i had no reference point in terms of what was healthy I'm not gonna lie i really didn't and that impacted my ability to make friends. I didn't really have any long-term friends growing up. And so I did grow up very lonely. So that was hard, but I definitely think a lot of it stemmed from moving from the West to the East because it, we if we we may have, they my parents may have left their business but they did not leave the baggage. They brought, they packed their bags and they also packed their emotional bags and dumped it on me and my brother. Luckily their marriage is much better now but it really took actually like me, kind of going through high school and college for that to start uh, improving. Yeah, definitely. If I if I had to say, if I had to make the connection here to because we're talking about a lot of things, but those difficulties, everyone has difficulties and challenges in their life, but those are the things that make us stronger if you let them. Wow. If you say if you rec- if you're reflective and aware of how things unfolded and how that impacted you and you're honest with yourself and you're not lying to yourself, then, then you can definitely say, I am better than what I'm better than that.
0: I love that you mentioned that because it's kind of that old adage of you don't judge a person by how often they fall down. You judge how they get back up. And you don't let specific moments define you. If anything, you have to be aware of what happens, saying exactly what you said. No, I'm better than that. Or no, I won't let this control me. I will have. I want to control my own destiny, no matter what situation I'm given. And I feel like that's such a powerful statement that you mentioned. But I also wanted to kind of reflect back really quickly, saying... I also have a very similar experience with you. A lot of the mental illness stuff, it was just kind of swept under the rug. It's everyone, it was, it was like an elephant in the room. Everyone knew it was happening, but no one discussed it because that's just not a thing you did. So growing up for me, anytime I had any symptoms of anything, I would just say, oh no, everyone goes through this. And it wasn't until I met my wife, it wasn't until I met uh, a couple close friends. I don't open up very easily, but I think that's because of obviously my childhood as well until people said, no, that's like not a normal thing everyone goes through and to me I was like oh no 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 it is and they're like no Tommy it's not and I'm like oh okay now I know kind of thing but it it wasn't it was just me being naive uh, me being ignorant to the fact because that's just not something I was aware of and so I know we were going through a lot of different rabbit holes if you will and so I'm gonna drop yet another bomb on you, Gabe, it's really easy to kind of reflect to saying, oh, this is how I grew or this was a weakness when I was growing up. Like we mentioned some of the things that we've noticed in high school. But at this moment right now, this version of Gabe that I'm talking to on this podcast, are you able to identify any weaknesses that you currently have that you're maybe trying to work on? And I know that's a very unfair question. So I'll kind of put the question on me first. Uh, I know one thing I do mention in the Bible study quite often, one of my biggest weaknesses is my, I've definitely been getting better, but my inability to be able to control my emotions in a way where I'm proud of, that's just the fancy way of saying I have a short temper. And that is a huge, huge sign of weakness. And I hate that side of me. I feel like I've been getting a lot more level headed, but it's like I start to see um, what I saw in my mom, like how we mentioned earlier in this conversation, in this podcast of I was always scared because. I never knew what mood she was in. Any little thing, it could be the weirdest thing. It would just set her off and she'd be very upset. And as a child, I'm like, why is she so upset? I just asked if I could get a snack or I just asked if I could go on the computer for 20 minutes or whatever have you. But then I am a hypocrite if I start to judge my parents in that way, because I'm the same exact way. My wife can just ask me something really innocent, just be like, oh, wait, can you tell me where this charger is or blah, blah, blah. And I'll just go be like, are you kidding? Like I told you this like 40 times. Like I have no reason to react that way. She's just asking very innocently. It doesn't take me any extra energy just to let her know what or the answer to her question. So that's one weakness I have definitely identified. It's something that I've been struggling with my whole life. But I feel like because of this platform, being able to talk to you, talk to a lot of people, I'm accepting it more. And I feel like that's the first step in trying to be able to, not cure a weakness, and maybe that's a conversation for another time, but when you identify weakness, it's almost sets off a green light of saying, okay, I know this about myself. Now, how am I going to try to resolve it? And a lot of the times people think it's just a one-step answer and then your weakness is gone. It's never that. It's a lifelong lifestyle where you identify it and then you have to try to change it. So I know I kind of put a lot out there on you, Gabe, but what are some of the weaknesses that you identify in this current version of you Um, and something that you're like, okay, this is also a weakness in me that I identify?
1: Yeah. I mean it's it's something that I don't always think about on honestly. But when I when I was listening to you talk about your weakness that you're trying to address right now with patients, it actually had me thinking more about what weakness is again, like the definition. And if I had to rephrase, because I think last earlier I was saying it's more about the unwillingness to pursue your will or something like that. But I think when I think about it more actually I think I think it's a little bit more about a little bit more about striving for virtue and I think that maybe that's a, probably a better synopsis is if we we are lacking in virtue and virtues could be whatever moral definition uh, that we that we subscribe to but if we are lacking in those things or the balance of those things mm. then we are weak in those things and they could be categories like courage or motivation, uh, ambition, patience, kindness, things like that, charity. I, th- those are maybe, maybe that is a better, uh, a better beacon of what weakness is so that I could relate myself to. So if I think about it from that lens, I probably would say that I seek immediate, instant gratification way too often. I am probably way too. I, I I definitely look for those little bursts of adrenaline way too often, and it has definitely clouded my pursuit for greater things uh, on a daily basis. And I, I won't go into like exactly what those things are, but they're not things that are sustainable for long-term happiness and long-term success.
0: Wow, that's such a great insight. On Not just you being able to identify something within yourself, but something that I feel like a lot of people can relate to. I feel like in this age of, you know, the internet in your pocket, social media, instant gratification, even uh, I even jokingly say like Amazon Prime, like Anytime I order anything online, I expect it to be here in two days. And if it's not, I get all upset about it. Whereas in the past, I mean, if I ordered anything and it got here within a week or two, I'd be pretty excited about it. So I feel like it's almost like society has geared people into this instant gratification type of feeling that you're mentioning. But it's really nice to hear that you're able to identify this in yourself and not just you take it a step further saying, not only do I identify this, but I also understand that this is not sustainable. This is not something that should be an expectation Moving forward for me. And that's why it's such a beautiful question to kind of do because when I first asked you this question, that's why I was excited. There's no right answer, there's no wrong answer, and there's not a single answer to be able to define what we're trying to talk about today. But that's why all these different anecdotes, these amazing stories that you're able to construct for me and have the openness. To share with me has been able to give me a lot of insight of not just who you are, but also gives me a chance to think back about myself saying, wow, so this is Gabe's story. So now I view not just you differently, but I have to now reflect on myself saying, wait, what about me? How does this impact me kind of thing? So I know we went through a lot of different kind of rabbit holes that I always like to mention. But now with this whole conversation that we've kind of talked about with what weakness is, I just kind of want to ask you again in just a couple sentences or a very quick summary. I know you just kind of put together, but after this conversation, has it your answer, answer changed? So I kind of want to ask you one more time of, Gabe, how do you define weakness?
1: Yeah, that th- this is a very cool circle that we did. When I was we could rewind and and go back to what i said in the beginning with weakness being a lack of effectively what i was saying was just a lack of motivation or a lack of will, willing to complete something or pursue and that's mm-hmm. that's probably related to what i just said my weakness right now is is you know seeking or being you know, half satisfied with the instant gratification, wherever that comes from, that kills motivation, right? It 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 clouds it. So yeah, I mean, I think that when I answered it in the beginning, I was probably more probably more
0: almost giving like a more general answer, like a more uh, on the surface type of thing. I, I absolutely understand where you're yeah. going.
1: Okay probably more biased to what I was going through at the moment. And then when you asked me what my weakness is, I realized, oh, well, my answer in the beginning was kind of like what I define weakness because of what my weakness is right now. Mm-hmm. And, but not everyone is going to be going through that particular instance of weakness. And so I think maybe my weakness right now is motivation. And uh, I know we've talked about this a lot in Bible study is getting motivated, getting self motivated to pursue the things that we want, and that we desire that are good for us. So that is just one instance of weakness. So but if I again had to more generalize a generalized definition of it, it would be probably where we lack in our virtues, I would say probably a better, a better lens.
0: Absolutely. I feel like when it boils down to it, no matter what your subjective feeling of what one person's weakness is, what your weakness is, it always comes back to that virtue. And I feel like that's just a really nice way to almost have that catch all. And it's just so inspiring to hear you talk about not just having the self awareness to understand what your weaknesses are, but also leaving yourself vulnerable enough to share that with me. Because I know that's definitely actually a weakness I see within myself. I know the, you know, beating a dead horse, I always say, oh, it's my short temper, it's my short temper. But when you brought up motivation, that's a huge one for me, too, because I almost always feel like no matter what I'm doing, whether it's, uh, you know, my current job, my hobbies, whatever I realize I'm doing with my free time, I always think, is this the best use of my time or like it's almost like my ego gets in the way saying I- I'm better than this. Like I shouldn't be doing this, but I should never be in that type of thought where I'm better than something else. I'm just a human being trying to go through the flows of life and trying to figure it out just like everyone else. So why am I putting myself on a pedestal kind of thing. So I feel like a lot of that is weighed into this motivation factor that you mentioned. And uh, unfortunately, I can't go down this rabbit hole as much as I want to with you during this podcast. But like I said, it's these conversations that I have with people and you in particular right now on this topic at hand really makes me start to reflect on, wait, is my definition of weakness that I thought I had heading into this now changing because of the great insight that gate gave me? And the answer is yes. I feel like it's fascinating. And so I know we really dove deep and talked about, you know, a lot of substance, a lot of things for a lot of people to listen to. I almost like to have a palate cleanser, almost like a mind cleanser, almost kind of getting a little bit more lighthearted, getting the listeners to know a little bit more about who you are. It's fascinating because anyone who's listening to this now kind of gets kinda knows you. I mean, like I said, I didn't know you were from uh California. I didn't even know you played the guitar. I feel like a terrible friend in that sense. And I didn't even know you were that interested in football, which is embarrassing for me to admit because I feel like uh, that's one of my flaws. I almost make football a part of my identity, which it shouldn't be.
1: We should definitely, you know, watch a game. I I'm so you love it. You you have an allegiance to a team. Mm-hmm, right I do. And I I love the game itself. I kind of don't care about which team mm-hmm, is playing mm-hmm. so maybe that's why I don't speak up when you talk about the Eagles. <laughs> uh, but if we're ever like, you know, if we're ever at a game I'd love I'd love to.
0: I think this is uh, just a beautiful way to say hey uh, unfortunately right now, obviously the football season is coming to an end. Uh, next weekend is the Super Bowl. But I say, hey, hopefully by the next football season. I know I was kind of alluding to in the beginning of this podcast saying, hey, we never really had an opportunity where we just hung out. Like just you and I, uh not affiliated through the Bible study. But I feel like, you know, if you have the free time, you just let me know a weekend you're free. And it'd be awesome if we just kind of uh hung out, watch the game together, you know, eat junk food, pizza, all that kind of stuff, and just kind of you know, bro out, just be able to watch it together because I would love to pick your brain on someone who also played, you know, high school football and someone who is so passionate about it. It's just a side I've never seen before. And so it's kind of discovering that is amazing. But, you know, with all that being said, Gabe, one question I always like to ask for our listeners just to get a little bit more insight of who you are and things is what are some things on your bucket list? Uh, you know, some things that you want to do before you have to kick the bucket yourself uh, figuratively and literally. Uh, so what's that list kind of looking like?
1: Oh, I you know, I've tried to write a bucket list before and I just can't because there's so many things
0: that you <laughs>
1: can do. Our interests are always changing, right? It's like how, mm-hmm. how can, maybe I'm just also really bad at being goal oriented, but uh, there are definitely things that I've been like, oh, I should definitely do this. Like everyone's like, oh, we should go skydiving. And then I went skydiving. I was like, eh,
0: Oh All wait, right. you went uh, skydiving? How was that experience?
1: Yeah, actually Vito and I have <laughs> been skydiving.
0: Wow, that's amazing.
1: Uh, it's okay. It's okay. I mean, it, it's, <laughs> it's probably it's more memorable if you die, but like once after you do it, it's like, okay, it was like 10 seconds. <laughs> um, I won't not to, to go down on anyone listening to this who loves skydiving. I think it's very very cool. Um, but I would probably say that one thing that I really want to do one day is to be a professor. I think that would be really cool is to, so I I work in finance and I, a lot of people go into that industry, like wanting to just make a ton of money. And don't get me wrong, like that is one of the most attractive things about the industry itself, but um, is that it compensates well. But I think that there is some, there, we are called to do more than just that as human beings. And I think that in, if there's any way that I could give my knowledge back Mm -hmm. to students in the future, when I get, become an expert, when I can call myself an expert at anything, that would be, that'd be a cool opportunity. And I also think that some of the, some of the most, the most formative experiences of my life have been sitting in a classroom and listening to a professor talk about a specific topic or a life topic or whatever, it could be a business topic. It doesn't really matter. My, my favorite professor actually was my AP European history teacher, you know, so like that just goes to show any influence can come from anything, but uh, I would love to have the opportunity to just kind of dive deep, if you will, with students one day, um, on topics about life Mm -hmm. because I think, you know, not, not to get political or economic here, but finances is huge a huge component of everyone's life. And I think it helps to put it into context sometimes with with people and have a more, yeah, there's like a deeper discussion. That'd be cool.
0: Yeah. And I feel like you definitely have a talent in being able to not just bring people together, but every time I speak to you, Gabe, I don't know if you've ever heard this type of compliment. It's, I don't know. I look forward to speaking with you because anytime I do, you give me your full undivided attention. Like when I talk to you, I feel like your entire focus is now on me and you're not just, you know, kind of playing on your phone, kind of listening to what I'm saying. It's really weird. I feel very honored when I get to speak to you because I know you're dropping everything and just giving me your full undivided attention. So I don't know if I'm the only person to ever mention that, but I feel like with this very unique kind of skill set and talent that you have, I don't know where you get this from, but I feel like that's so applicable for a professor, for a teacher. Like if I'm a student and I speak to you and you're my professor, and then when I, and you talk to me and things like that, being able to bring that skill set isn't something that everyone has. And so I don't know, maybe it's just kind of culturally, you kind of have this nice upbringing where you kind of got to see both sides, uh, East Coast, West Coast, whatever you want to say. I know you said you're so young, you didn't even kind of Um, Generalize things like that. But you do have this really nice talent where anytime I speak to you, I don't, and maybe it's a weird way of saying I'm kind of putting you in a weird position as well, but I almost feel honored. I'm like, wow, Gabe is giving me his time. This is so cool kind of thing. And so I feel like that would be a really great kind of asset for you to continue to pursue because I feel like this is something that you could absolutely bring over to the classroom setting and I don't know if I ever mentioned this to you but I actually went to college with an education um focus I actually changed my major um You know, I believe my sophomore year, pretty much like the last chance you really have to really change your major because you're finishing up your gen eds and stuff. But I I was actually an education background. I wanted to become a high school English teacher uh, because I felt like English is a language I really like. I love to communicate, obviously. That's why this podcast is here. I love communicating with people. And I wanted to be a teacher. And one of my biggest regrets in my life, of course, I'm actually very happy with the uh, current employment I have. I love my job. I love all the people I interact with. But there's a little part of me saying, Tommy, why did you switch? You should have stuck with education because once I don't think I would have been the best teacher or anything like that. But I feel like kind of like you said, I would love to be someone that could mold young lives. And maybe that's just me with my ego saying, oh, if I was a high school teacher, I would change people's lives. For That's not what I'm saying. But being in an opportunity where I can at least influence or help guide people that are looking for it i feel like a lot of that stems from the fact that unfortunately for me i didn't have an older sibling um And one thing I know I mentioned in this podcast is my parents are also divorced. So my dad now currently resides in Korea. I don't really have a relationship with him. So there wasn't many people I could really look up to. So I want to be that person and say, hey, if you need me, you can come to me because that's something I wanted. And not to make it like a sob story, but this is almost a way to turn it back to you saying it's beautiful to say, hey what is something on your bucket list? And you said, you know what? I, I want to be able to be in a position like a professor. Like you said, have these deep conversation with souls. And it's really cool that you're like, hey, one of the biggest influences that I had uh, was actually a teacher in AP Euro. That's awesome because I know a lot of people have those kind of stories where it seems like someone's so insignificant in your life at the time. But when you reflect back, you, you almost think like, wow, this person influenced me more than, not that I care to admit, but they were a big part of my life, whether I want to admit it or not. And I feel like you would be a phenomenal person in that position. So I'm not really sure how you could uh, pivot over from the finance over to the education field. But if anyone can do it, it's definitely you. Because I also feel like you're the type of person, when you put your mind to something, you're able to accomplish that. So this is just my long-winded way of saying it's so fascinating to hear the amount of similarities we have. Not only do you love football, not only um, are you into music and you're looking, um, you know, you're not dream, but one of your bucket list items is to be a professor. It's just so cool to find all these different parallels that we have in our lives, whether it's our upbringing and things like that. So I apologize for being long winded and things like that, Gabe, but it, it, thank you so much for being able to share that and things, but just to kind of uh, solely start to tie it up. Are there any last other small bucket list items that you have on the top of your head or anything like that?
1: Well, I mean, being on the podcast, I can cross that off. <laughs> but, uh, but, uh,
0: no, seriously,
1: I, this was uh, awesome, man. I um, I learned a lot about myself too, just by talking about it, about this specific topic. And I'm glad that we were able to help each other out here.
0: Absolutely. And I really appreciate uh, when you say that, because that's kind of the big focus of why I started this podcast. I feel like Nowadays, it's so easy not to have these type of conversations. And when I, I don't mean that in like a cynical way, I just mean that we're not naturally in a position to have these type of communication or conversations with our friends. It's always through texting uh, virtually um, or something like that. So it's almost unnatural for me to say, hey, Gabe, uh, you know, On this night, can you section off one hour so we could just kind of talk? It almost sounds unnatural, but I'm really glad that I started this because, like I said, I'm learning so much about you, but not just that. I'm learning so much about me through your stories, through your connections. And like I said, I think a lot of this stems from the fact that, unfortunately, I didn't have a lot of people to look up to. So now I'm almost kind of reverting back saying, hey, that's okay. It's kind of like you said, um, it doesn't matter what situation I'm in. It's how I kind of react to that situation. My way to react is, hey, let me just kind of talk to a lot of people I admire, a lot of people I look up to and learn a lot of things that they've learned too. And this is my way of getting these little small nuggets of wisdom along the way to be like, wow, so this is what makes Gabe so great. This is what I look up to him. So how can I you know, get a little bit of wisdom? Maybe he could rub off on me the way that I hope it would. And so far, just this podcast alone, it's, if anything, solidified saying 100% next football season, if we're not sitting together for at least one game, that's a failure on my part for not making it happen. But It's just there's so many things. I feel like the conversation is just starting. And I think that's what's so beautiful about early friendships and not just that, but just kind of finding what we have to relate together. So I know we're kind of getting to the time of the end of the podcast, Gabe. One thing I always like to do with our guests is kind of right before we wrap up and whatnot is. Do you have any advice for anyone? It doesn't even have to be about the topic of the conversation today, but all of us are in different phases of our life. All of us are kind of going through life differently. But one humbling thing I realized very quickly was there's no manual. There's no one way to do life. Everyone is trying to figure it out. Everyone's kind of winging it. So do you have any final words of advice or kind of wisdom that you would like to drop to kind of wrap everything to an end?
1: Oh, yeah, I, I guess to My I have two cousins that uh, are about early college, late high school age, and I love them to death. And, um, and I give them the same advice, which I guess being an older cousin, you finally get the right to do that, because I don't. But when I when they started, you know, going to like the next stage of life, I'm pretty sure I just told them to break as many of their fears as possible, like just like that. Break your and and if that if you're a shy person, like one of them is really shy. Sometimes, like just go out and join a club or do something that makes you uncomfortable. That's good for you or not. You it doesn't have to necessarily be good for you. Uh, I mean, it, yeah. I mean, no, pay, no pain, no gain. But I think that for anyone who's listening, and they, this is such cliche advice sometimes, but because it's like kind of like just go out of your comfort zone, but literally. Mm-hmm. There is no better way to learn about yourself than to go to the edges of your personality. Like if you think about yourself in a circle and you just go to the perimeter, that is literally what you're doing when you go out of your comfort zone. And that's where you find the most. That would be my advice.
0: Wow. And just like that, with the famous words of Gabe, his parting words is, you know, to really push yourself. Put yourself out there. You don't know if you actually don't like it because you never put yourself in that situation to do so. Get out of your comfort zone. and Try to do something that you wouldn't do yourself just because you never know how that outcome might be. And with all that being said, listeners, I also want to turn that question back over to you. I know we heard a lot of great stories with Gabe's upbringing, how he would define weakness. And the beautiful thing about this is depending on what part of your life you're in, that question will be answered differently. But today, in this moment, This one hour that he gave me, this is how we defined it, and I feel very good about it. But how about you, listeners? How would you define it? Let me ask you, how do you define weakness? Now it's your turn to think about the question. What does it all mean to you? Don't be afraid to really dive deep and ponder the question. Until next time.